Welcome to episode 146 of On The Schmooze. Let's do this. Welcome to On The Schmooze, the podcast that highlights talented people from different fields, explores how they built strong networks, and overcame challenges on their way to becoming successful leaders. Now here's your host, Robbie Samuels. Hold on a sec. We'll we'll have this figured out soon. I I don't understand. I, I know this is possible, but I can't get it to work. I'll try my phone. I'm in. Do you hear that echo? Ugh, this isn't working. Headphones? Yeah, I can use them. I need to go find them. This is the first five to ten minutes of every Facebook Live that I've been on that was intended to be an interview. A guest was supposed to come on camera. The technical snafus were so bad that the comments accompanying the Facebook Live told replay viewers to skip ahead to minute 405 or 912 or whenever the interview actually started. This happened a few times in a private Facebook group that I'm in, and I really wanted to make these interviews easier to set up since I love the content that members are sharing in them. So I researched and tested until I figured out the steps. Then... I shared them in a Facebook post in that private group and several other groups where I thought it would be a valuable post. Offering value is often about noticing a problem and being willing to research and test a solution. So now that I've got you curious about this Facebook feature, here are the steps. One, you both need to be on a cell phone. And I tested this on an iPhone and an Android. It will not work on a laptop or desktop. Two, you will likely need headphones to avoid an echo, so have them nearby. Three, to get a side-by-side display, turn both of your phones to landscape, that means horizontal, before going on camera, because once it's recording, you can't turn it from one view to the other. If the phones are in portrait, then that's the vertical way. The display result will be picture-in-picture. Four, Once you're alive, anyone who is watching on a phone will have bring them on camera with a link under their name. Your guests can comment to make it easier to find them if they join after a lot of people have started watching. Five, click on bring them on camera and on the next screen, you'll be able to invite them onto the broadcast. Six, they accept the invitation and you're all set. Your challenge for this week, test out this Facebook feature Schedule a Facebook Live interview. Find a time when a friend or colleague is able to join you. Brainstorm three questions you two can discuss for 10 minutes. Follow the steps above to bring them on camera. Try this and let me know how it goes. Now, on to this week's show. Today's guest was called a cult legend in the online community building world by Mashable. He has been at the forefront of building highly curated, technology-enabled communities for ambitious professionals. He is focused on creating a strong membership experience and positive business outcomes for thousands of successful executives, thought leaders, business owners, and entrepreneurs across the country. He first co-founded Brazen Technologies, a career management site for high-achieving young professionals and ambitious college students. After that, He went on to co-found Young Entrepreneur Council, YEC, an invitation-only organization for leading entrepreneurs. In 2018, along with his business partner, Scott Gerber, he authored Super Connector, Stop Networking 
and start building business relationships that matter. Today, he and his team are building the future of professional organizations with The Community Company, an organization which creates community programs for global brands and media companies. Please join me in welcoming Ryan Paw. Hey, thanks for having me. Ryan, thanks for joining us from Waukesha, Wisconsin. It's a thrill to have you. And as you know, this is a show about building strong networks and leadership is the context within which discussing this. So let's kick that off, right? Like, how do you define leadership? And when did you realize you had the skills to lead? Yeah, well, um, you know, I define leadership as being a person who is really putting other people's needs in front of theirs and focusing on how they can help other people do their best work, even sometimes at the sacrifice of uh, their own work and what they're working on. Uh, And every day that I wake up and and work with my team, the focus is really on how can I help people get out of challenging situations and uh, produce better outcomes? How can I be the guy who grabs a sledgehammer and breaks down a wall so that someone can get past it and continue to succeed um, at meeting a business objective? And for me, that is true leadership. It is taking a step back and just helping others do great work. Um, How do I know that I have those skills or where, when did I find that out? I, I don't, I don't, truly know the answer to that question because I feel like it's something that I'm always working on. I don't think I uh, became an entrepreneur thinking, um, I want to do this because I'm a great leader and I have those qualities. I became an entrepreneur because I was looking for um, freedom in my life to forge my own path and to build something for myself uh, that allowed me to live my life in the way I wanted to live it. Um, I've had to learn through mentorship and through um, learning and listening to others about how to be a good leader. It's not something that was just inherently there. It's something that I work on every single day. Um, And I think knowing that you're a good leader is not something that is just a a sort of um, label you can bestow upon yourself. It's something that is bestowed upon you by others. Um, when you live up to the standard of excellence that great leadership is. Um, so I, I think um, I, I've been blessed in that in my team, uh, as, as we've grown, I've been, I've been praised and, and, and given um, moments of recognition from the people that I support, that, that I've been a great leader for them, that I've been a good mentor for them. And that feels good. But that's not to say that in my life, there's not need for improvement. I wake up every day and I struggle with the fact that our team's getting bigger and, and um, the work that I was once doing by hand is now being done by others. And there are literal days where, where sometimes I, I wake up now and I think, all right, I actually have time on my hands. What should I be, be doing next? And, and it's a little scary. And, and, it, and it kind of um, is something that just naturally happens as you start to build an organization that takes on a life of its own. So um, leadership for me, again, it's, it's not something that I had. It's something that I work at every day. And I would, I would venture to guess that most entrepreneurs and leaders listening to the show are people that fall into that bucket. They don't think they have these nat- natural leadership abilities. If they think that they do, I think a lot of them might be fooling themselves. Yeah. Um, but it's something we all work towards uh, every single day. Yeah. Uh, even when you feel like you have reached that level of excellence, there's always another level that you can be getting to. 
All right, I want to, I want to dig into this a little bit. I, I, I think what's cool is like in the beginning, you were saying that being a leader is helping others achieve greatness, even if it, it slows you down from doing what you think is your job. But if you think your job is to help others achieve greatness and break down those walls, right? And make those introductions and help support people in, in seeing their growth, then that's exactly what you should be doing every day. Like that is your job. That is the work, you know? And, and I think this piece that you were saying about how you used to be all hands-on and, you know, that was, that was your gift. You, you know how to do a certain thing. And now you've got a team helping you and they're, you know, if you're, if you're smart, you hire smart people and people who are smarter than you, right? Like that's the hope that you bring on people. Well, yeah. And it's just, but it's mind bending for, yeah. for the average um, entrepreneur who starts in a basement or in a garage and is bootstrapped and not spending any money, therefore is doing everything by hand um, through the wee hours of the night. And then all of a sudden one day, um, you start to see traction, you make hires and you start delegating responsibility. Um, and, wow. and you realize that you don't have to do that anymore. So it's like, you know, it's a really, really crazy shift when you get to that point. And it's really difficult, I think, for a lot of entrepreneurs. And I think in some ways that is sometimes what separates, um, you know, people that are just, um, you know, at the early stages of business and we'll never get past that from people who go on to build uh, larger organizations and, and be, become titans of industry in a sense, mm-hmm. because they were able to step back and realize that the best thing that you can do in a lot of cases is to just separate yourself and allow the business to um, continue to, to grow without you as if yeah. you were even there. That, yeah. that is the ultimate dream, right? To be able to build a business that can continue to stand the test of time and even evolve without you in the picture. Yeah. That would, for me, always be, uh, for years, decades, I've thought that's the measure of success. You build something up enough where you, you get invited back to a reunion and you don't plan the reunion. <laughs> you know, right. like yeah. someone's like, I found your name on this document. I thought you should join us. You know, and you're like, oh my gosh, I've, I've been part of it for 20 years. It's like, that's cool. But yeah. Uh, dig back a little bit to even earlier, you know, you were just talking about um, your leadership in the context of your current team and this evolution that you've been seeing as you've had more hires and brought on people around you to support this work. But, you know, go back, playground, high school, college, you know, were you a kid uh, who always had this sense of community? Were you always like convening people? Were you left out? And that's what makes you think about wanting to create inclusive spaces like yeah. what's the like origin story of you so deeply being committed to this kind of work yeah. no i you know growing up i had a lot of empathy for others i was always someone who really wanted everyone to feel included i felt just this really um um negative feeling when I saw people that were sort of those outcasts that, that didn't get invited, that didn't have a sense of community. And I think therefore I always became the person who was convening and trying to find common ground and trying to, um, uh, create collisions between really excellent people. Um, so that, that was a big part of my uh, upbringing. I I'm not, you know, the classic, uh, extrovert that most people think of when they think about a connector or a community builder. I am in fact like quite introverted. Um, but I think that that has been a strength for me. And I would venture to say that some of my 
my favorite and some of the best community builders that I've met and some of them that we interviewed for Super Connector tend to be more introverted than extroverted. And what I think is great about that is um, you, you are more likely to take a step back to listen, to, um, to really observe and, and just um, spend more time analyzing others versus being um, very actively engaged in the conversation at sort of the forefront. Um, some of my favorite connectors are, are people that are rarely the center of attention. They tend to be people that hang out on the fringes and really uh, pay attention to all the details. And, and through um, just sitting back and thinking about things, are able to connect dots in other ways uh, that people who are more uh, actively engaged and more extroverted in conversations aren't capable of doing. So um, I, I think those qualities have helped me become the person I am today. Um, it's made me um, a much different leader than, than some other sort of more archetypal leaders. It's made me someone who tends to take, again, the backseat versus um, someone who just jumps in and, 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 you know, can kind of be more of like a <laughs> bull in a china chop scenario with, uh, with leadership. I, I am more analytical. I, I tend to take the backseat, try to help people answer their own questions, solve their own problems, uh, and only jump in when um, I am truly asked for help and, and truly needed. Um, I think that's who I was, and that's, that's how I evolved into the person I am today. Was there someone that you particularly looked up to who had these kinds of qualities that helped you realize that, um, a, you know, disclaimer, I'm an outgoing extrovert, and I see it as a privilege to be one um, because being out in the world, there are certain benefits to being out in the world all the time and it doesn't take me a lot of effort. So I, I totally appreciate what you just said about introverts and their power of observation. And if you can create a space where introverts share, they usually have a lot of good things to say. Um, was there someone who demonstrated that for you? Like you mentioned earlier, you had this like empathy to people who aren't being like included like, where does even that come from? Was that something, someone? No, I, 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 I mean, it, it could be my upbringing. It could be just something that's part of my DNA. But no, I, I didn't have um, a mentor or a, a person that I remember who was um, the person that I wanted to emulate myself off of. This is just who I was. And I think I, I wish that earlier on in my life I, I had that person because I think as an, an um, um, introvert and maybe other introverts listening can, um, you know, could relate to this is that um, it's, it was never something that was like considered to be a strength. I think when you just by nature, when people think introvert, they think that they're sort of weak or they're missing some sort of um, like, characteristic that makes them better at business or makes them better at leadership or makes them, uh, more, um, you know, prone to be successful in life. Um, I've, I've, I've come a long way as a introvert and I'm incredibly proud of that, but I, I, I did it on my own and, and I, um, you know, part of what I hope I can give back to the world is to help other introverts feel, empowered and to not have to go through a lot of the same insecurities that I had to go through. Um, my biggest asset 
for me is that for some reason I'm inherently drawn towards really, really outgoing people. People like Scott, my business partner, who you had a chance to interview um, last year, and and you can you can speak to this. He is the polar opposite of me as, as a person, um, but that's why we are such great partners. Um, in my previous business, I gravitated towards very similar people to Scott. You know, I'm always looking to connect and and build relationships with people that aren't like me, where I feel like my strengths. Um, support their weaknesses and vice versa. And I think that can be a very powerful tool for introverts is to find um, extroverted partners and, and to match up and, you know, make magic happen. I think that um, a lot of uh, really, really what look like successful extroverts out there are actually carrying a lot of baggage and a lot of insecurity too. Mm. And it's because there are certain things that perhaps they don't um, relate to as well as, say, um, an introvert. Yeah, this is really interesting. I, I mean, I, and I know that Susan Cain, who I'd love to have on the show one day, has done a lot to create like the quiet revolution and to um, really create a, a space for that conversation. We had a, um, another guest. So Scott Gerber, he was, he was on and he was excellent. He was uh, episode 88. And then I'm just going to uh, pull up uh, Maura Aaron's Mele, number 93. Um, she wrote, Maura wrote a book called Hiding in the Bathroom. And she has a podcast by the same name. And, um, and, and she is probably the most uh, introverted person I, I have interviewed. And this is like core to her identity. But mm-hmm. she's found ways to be really successful in this business world. Mm-hmm. And I think uh, I've heard from a lot of people great feedback about that episode because I think it's important, like as you said, people see um, not necessarily a mentor, but like someone doing what they are hoping to be. Like, even if they can't directly be a mentor, you want to see that there are people being successful without giving up who they are and trying to fake it. I think a lot of people think, "Oh, I have to like act a certain way." But you, you've sort of developed um, quite a reputation. I mean, like, it was, I was just at a C-suite network event for the Hero Club. And I connected with a bunch of people afterwards on LinkedIn. And you were a connection <laughs> between a lot of the people I was meeting there. And I was like writing some of them back. And like, you know, they know you through um, the Young Entrepreneur Council. Um, that YEC, YEC is like pretty renowned. And, you know, people who've joined it talk well of it. Um, you found your way to these spaces. You, you created... Like, you know, so Blue Ocean came out later as an idea, but like you saw a space that was missing and you're doing it again. Like this is, you're continuing, now you're doing brands. How did you have that? So that's an instinct. Um, You were like, I know that relations are important. I know community is important. Let me create these spaces. I mean, what led you to do YEC, for instance? I mean, frankly, with YEC and Brazen before that, um, I was really focused on fulfilling a need that I had for connection with Brazen. Uh, when the early community that we created there came out, it was um, all about connecting young people entering the real world from college. And I was one of them and I was feeling lost and alone. And I knew others were too. And we needed a safe space to convene, to talk about the challenges we were facing while we um, find our place in this world. Um, with YEC, 
know, I had, I literally just left my first business. I was going uh, into business with Scott on our second venture and I was building a platform that was precisely what I needed at that moment in time. And I knew others did too. Um, looking at it at a more macro sense, I think um, what I identified as the social media era started to uh, take hold is that um, we had something special in the sense that we now have platforms where we can connect with people in other parts of the world. Case in point, video discussion between Boston and you know Milwaukee right now, which you know otherwise wouldn't happen. Uh, we connected online through mutual acquaintances that wouldn't have happened. Um, and you know, take it a step further. I do business with people all over the world now, and you probably have connections from all over the world too, because of this technology. But on the flip side, you know, a lot of people argue that we're more lonely than we ever have been because with all of this connectivity, it becomes very difficult to um, establish what's fact and what's fiction about people. It's very difficult to filter out um, the, the hucksters that are trying to make a quick buck versus the people who are, are genuinely trying to make great connections. And there is a need now more than ever before for curated ecosystems for people to connect around um, commonalities and to know that they're in a safe space that has rules and guidelines and a selection process to ensure that you have the best probability of success when you're connecting with other people. Same thing is true in, in the business world that, you know, networking events are a dime a dozen and, and we could all walk into a, a crowded bar at any night of the week and network with people and put on a name tag and uh, have a few beers and go home with a buzz and a bunch of crumpled up business cards in our pocket. But that's not valuable. That is, that is um, a, um, a waste of our most important resource, which is our time. And everyone is hungry for better ways to connect and better ways to make a use of that limited time we have. And as far as relationships are concerned, I believe that the very best place to make meaningful relationships is through being a part of curated groups because the, the open web has just become too noisy and too difficult to filter out. Yeah. So are there other spaces that you tend to be drawn to um, that other people have created that you've you found to be these kinds of curated spaces that yeah. you founding, because, you know, now that you're running this, I imagine it's, you know, people always say it's lonely at the top. <laughs> so where are you going to seek out the same sort of valuable, uh, authentic relationships? You know, as far as, as community building goes, I'm, I'm a part of several communities. I think the most prominent community builders association out there right now is a group called CMX. Uh, it's run by a good friend of mine named David Spinks, and he does amazing work bringing together community builders from all walks of life, life from early stage community managers who are getting their first job out of college and joining um, a, a, a Fortune 500 brand that's just starting to think about what community means to them to entrepreneurs who are building community and everything in between. Um, so I value that community a lot, and I think that anyone who... Um, is considering community building as a career or a business venture should be a part of that group. Um, but I also really, at this point, am more honed in on 
a much smaller group of people that I've been invested in and have also been invested in my success for many years and just continuing to curate those relationships. You know, I, I firmly believe that um, the most successful people in this world are successful because of uh, a very elite circle that they've established in their life of people that have a vested interest in each other's success. You know, I, I like to use like the example of say Richard Branson, who probably at this point has millions of Twitter followers. But if you thought about it, you know, what do you think came first? The, the millions of Twitter followers that Branson has or like an elite group of maybe a half a dozen people that he trusts and that are, are tied to him and, and are establishing um, a really trusted bond to support each other and help each other succeed. Mm. I think it's that small group that matters yeah, most. Absolutely. And, and the rest is just sort of vanity metrics. Yeah, yeah. The numbers aren't as meaningful as those those deeper connections. So I, I, I love hearing sort of your way of thinking about this and and where you're going for support and such. Um, also curious, just like, what do you find most rewarding about the work you're doing today? I love community building because every day I wake up and I'm not just working on my business. I'm working on helping other entrepreneurs and other executives with a lot of ambition succeed in their businesses. Mm-hmm. And, you know, today we're helping, you know, over 10,000 ambitious executives and entrepreneurs succeed in their own right um, through helping connect the dots and, and figure out for whatever business challenge they have, what resource do we have to help them kind of inch towards that goal. It could be connections to other people. It could be our, our uh, business coaching programs. It could be our visibility programs where we help people build their personal brands uh, or a number of other things that we've built into our membership uh, benefits portfolio. But every day I get to wake up, connect the dots and help people inch forward and achieving their business goals. So again, it's, I get to achieve business success through helping other people achieve business success. And there's just so much, uh, just really good feelings that come from that. That just goes back to your definition of being a good leader. <laughs> yeah, isn't that cool? So um, I also was thinking about how uh, I I am a I call myself a relationship based business strategist. Um, I sort of was late to calling myself a business strategist because that was I was just like this is what I do. I wasn't thinking about it as. <laughs> business strategy. But every, you know, f- since I had a BlackBerry, I mean, it's 15 years ago, I remember meeting with people and helping them think through business or career challenges, meeting at coffee shops, whatever. And I remember because I showed my BlackBerry, that was all I had, you know, my brain, my BlackBerry. But I always say to my clients, there's no business challenge that you can't meet through relationships. And I feel like you are simpatico simpatico on that as well. And that's what you're teaching them is to rely on the people around them. Um, so speaking of people around you, you have met gazillions of people, Ryan, <laughs> um, and more than that have met you <laughs> and seen you speak or heard you somewhere, been inspired by Super Connector, your book with Scott. Um, how do you nurture, not your closest, you were talking about that elite inner circle, you know, that's, those are super important people, but how do you nurture and sustain connections with the second and third tier out? The people you might see once a year at a conference, uh, you worked with them five years ago, but you're not currently working with them. Like, but you like them. They're good people. 
What's your philosophy or your practice around that? I mean, I'm, I'm a systems guy and, and I, I hate to break things down into like a, a too clinical approach, but at some point when you get into these, you know, greater layers of connections that you have, staying organized is the only way to stay connected. So for me, you know, I've, I've gone as far as to set reminders with important people as to when I should follow up with them through my inbox, you know, simple, just, you know, um, tools to delay a follow-up and, and, and then, you know, maybe six months later, I'll, I'll ping them and say, how are you doing? What's going on? What are you working on right now that you're really excited about just to kind of catch up and to see if there's any way that I can support them. Um, like we interviewed some people in super connector that literally have like massive detail oriented spreadsheets where they handle all these relationships. Um, what's important is that you, you figure something out that works for you and you don't try to go beyond what you're comfortable with. Um, you know, look, there are just some layers of, of my relationships where, um, I know that like when we're meant to meet again, serendipity is going to, you know, do its thing and we're going to reconnect. Um, I think, you know, I've been asked that question a lot and there's almost like a level where it gets to a point where, all right, now this is just a little OCD. Like let's, let's focus on, on living our lives and, and making relationships and fo- nurturing relationships that are literally right in front of us, knowing that, um, some of these, um, fringe connections who you know you can count on when needed are going to be there and that life is just going to allow you to cross cross paths when it makes sense. So, you know, there, there's a level of organization, organization for a certain group of people, but then there's a, a point where you just have to kind of let go and let the world do its thing. Yeah. It sounds like serendipity. It plays a factor. And, and I've, I've told my clients and my friends that if you know what you're looking for, you're more likely to come across it. Um, so it's, it's a little bit of being open to it and seeing it when it's in front of you, the serendipity. So like, let's say you're traveling, you you know, you're at a conference, um, or you have to go speak, you know, you're, you're going to go speak in Boston. You're going to go speak in Miami. Like, do you, and I, you know, taking into account that you're an introvert, I'm curious about this answer. Do you take advantage of the in-person moment and schedule things one-on-one? Do you schedule, like, and anyone can drop by happy hour or are you like, I am just so exhausted from traveling. I don't want to do any of those things. <laughs> you know, it's funny you say that because, um, we use South by Southwest as an example, a lot of, um, a lot of entrepreneurs and, and startup folk from another around the country end up convening down in Austin once a year for this massive event that has just become like absolutely obnoxious in some cases. Um, I've gone for the last 10 years. I can't remember the last time I set foot in that conference center. You know, I, I go down there and, and I convene people elsewhere. I take them out of this sort of exhausting and, and, and very complicated mess of, you know, events and, and, and speakers and all sorts of other distractions. And I try to create what we call um, in our own business, an oasis, an escape for people to get away from just all the crazy that's happening. Um, again, it's, it's very similar to our approach with curating community. Like 
these events have become so noisy that it's hard to meet the right people. But if you create an oasis where you know you're likely to connect with people like you, um, it's much more powerful. So when I'm at some of these events, especially if we're, we're doing an event for YEC or Forbes Councils or, or Ad Age or one of our other communities, um, it's all about helping people convene in a safe space that is away from like the crazy. Mm. That's the way to do it. It's actually a great idea for uh, introverts to think about this way. Um, Dora Clark's a good friend of mine and, and, and identifies as an introvert. And, you know, when she moved from Boston to New York, she wanted to build up, you know, her connections. But she, so she hosted two dinners a month for probably a couple of years. But as much work as that was, it was less work, effort, and time than going out five nights a week uh, to one or two events a night. Because like as an extrovert, that, you know, I would have been like, okay, I'm here, you know, let me show up everywhere. But she built stronger connections that way. When I go to conferences, like I was just recently at a conference last year, Podcast Movement. I had never been to it. I found that they allow you to, you know, host sort of small meetup gatherings. So I scheduled a breakfast and a, and a drinks and before I even got to the event, 20 people, you know, were, we were all connecting online about meeting up at these different small, as you call them, oasis um, in the middle of the, of the chaos or the vibrant chaos that is there. But the power is that these spaces convene people. And then it's like our job to figure out what do you do with them <laughs> now that they're here because yeah. most people aren't thinking about it like you are. Like that's a very thoughtful, you know, bring everyone together. I, and, you know, Ryan, I have been known to... to go to a conference and hang out in the lobby and not go to the conference. <laughs> this yeah. happened a few times locally where I'm like, I, yeah, my first time at Inbound, I wasn't even planning to, to physically go in. And I last minute got like a ticket to, <laughs> to go see some of the speakers, but I was already organizing dinners around the event. So <laughs> yeah, that can sometimes be the most rewarding part is the people. And in order to really have a, a meaningful space to connect you have to kind of escape and uh create something that's a little bit more intimate for people yeah so what's what's the thing that if you were talking to someone sort of just getting started they're 25 years old you know they're done with college they're they're getting into the career they're thinking i want to do something big in the world have a big impact and you're like okay well you've got to build a strong supportive network you know, cause like whatever you want to do, like you need that now and you, and you won't even necessarily see the benefits for another decade or two, but like got to start now. What are you telling them to do? Like, how are they like, or what would have you thought to do differently? I mean, you did so many things right, but like, yeah. what would you tell them to do at, you know, 25, they often feel like I have nothing to offer, right? Like I'm in deficit. I don't know anyone. I don't have, you know, and you're like, oh man, like if you only knew, <laughs> you know, how do you get them out of that mindset and what do you give them to like start from? It's the thing that frustrates me about college and, and the system in general about how we educate ourselves is, you know, I, I get the impression that a lot of people go through this experience and, and exit ex and, and they don't know what to do because they just kind of went through the motions and it wasn't the right time for them to experience a higher education. Um, you know, if I had to go back to talk to my early self, I, I would have pushed harder to not go to college. I, I would have pushed uh, myself as well as my family to just let me get a job, any job. Let me experience the real world. 
let me know what it's like to have to pay rent. Help me understand like where I fit in this society. Um, and then go to school, go to school with all of that experience and all of that added training on how to be an adult so I could take my education more seriously. And I think that most people that go through college now, they, they end up doing something that had nothing to do with their major. Um, so again, like whether you're before college, after college, assume you're, you're trying to make your leap into the real world. I think just start by getting experience any way that you can. It doesn't have to be the perfect job. Get a job. You don't need to stay there forever. You might be there for six months. Forget the rumors that, you know, if you leave in six months, you're considered a job hopper. That's not real anymore. Um, Just expose yourself to what having a job looks like. Expose yourself to what paying bills looks like. Um, And then work your way into, into like a specialty, go back to school if you need to learn a trade. So if you're trying to think specifically around community building and networking, um, is there any thoughts you have to help people sort of guide their way in or if, they, or if people feel like they haven't really done well on that so far in life and they, they wanted to get started? It sounds like part of your answer is to find a highly curated space. Not necessarily. I think the answer is you have to sort of find your own way. You know, one of the things that I, I'm really proud of with Super Connector as a book is that it's not a one-size-fits-all, eight-minute abs formula to build a network for yourself or to build relationships. You know, it starts off with one simple concept, which is self-awareness and learning who you are as a person and where your strengths and weaknesses are. Um, you know, you you could potentially thrive in the chaos of a ye old conference and walk away with tons of great connections and tons of really good resources. Or you could be more like me where, you know, you tend to just sort of like disappear into the shadows in a space like that. And you need to create something different. The point is that you need to get to know yourself and then reverse engineer through that understanding a good way for you to build relationships. You know, don't listen to um, anyone who's told you that there's a specific formula for how networking is done. They're probably telling you something that is incredibly, incredibly wrong. Um, instead, come up with formulas that fit around you. Uh, and with all of the technology and the resources and, and the ways we can connect that are available to us today, it's never been easier and the bar has never been lower to be able to um, get out there and, and build a sense of community that's right for you. Yeah. And, and of course, having um, access now to books like Super Connector that gives you lots of examples and Michelle Tillis Letterman's uh, new book, The Connector's Advantage, is another resource in that way. Like you said, it's not a one-stop shop. Here's how you do it. It's stories of people doing it in a zillion different ways. And hopefully with that, you can find you know, something that speaks to you that you can try, like to see if, oh, you know, that I, I thought that I had to, you know, be good at public speaking. And you know, no, no, you don't have to be good at public speaking. I thought I'd be really outgoing. No, you don't have to be really outgoing. Like all, there's a lot of myth and like assumptions. And I think, you know, having these resources are great. Um, so I hope people keep creating them. And I'm glad you, you created that with Scott. Um, so we'll definitely put a link to that in the show notes. Here's one of my favorite questions as we wrap up. Um, so, Ryan, let's say we're connecting again a year from now, and I, I hope we stay in touch well before that. But we're connecting a year from now, and we're 
We are talking about all of your successes. We are, we are toasting to all that you've accomplished in the previous year. <laughs> what are we going to be celebrating? What are you most looking forward to in the year ahead? That is a tough one. I, you know, I think if I had to hone in on one specific thing, uh, I'd hone in on our work with YEC. Um, we're just at this point right now, uh, almost 10 years into uh, YEC as an organization where we're starting to talk about going global. So a year from now, uh, you know, I hope to be toasting the success of YEC becoming not just a powerful and um, influential entrepreneurship organization within North America, but throughout the world. That's offering something incredibly valuable and incredibly appropriate for this next generation of entrepreneurs that's starting to come into the fold. So um, there's a lot to be excited about. And that's one specific thing that's top of mind for me right now. That would be so amazing. And wow, just that would be such a great resource. And I mean, Great for everyone else around the world, but also great for all of us here in North America that absolutely need to get outside of that space and meet all the brilliant people uh, that I've been meeting one on one. You know, like you said, through through the conversations, through networking, through this podcast, it's been it's been a joy. So to have that network to do it would be awesome. So Ryan, where can people find you and follow your work? Yeah, I'm I'm pretty active online. Um, you can follow me on Twitter, just at Ryan Paw. Um, my website's ryanpaw.com. Uh, check out community.co just to get a perspective of what the community company is all about and what we're building. And um, yeah, I, I'm, a, I'm a geek when it comes to other people's communities. I love helping other people solve their own community building challenges. So if you ever have a problem and you're looking for a little bit of input, hit me up on Twitter and, and I'll get back to you with some advice and, and maybe some feedback that'll help you. That is so awesome. Thanks, Ryan, for joining us. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed that interview with Ryan. Such a pleasure to speak with him and learn about his leadership journey. What is your key takeaway from our conversation? Something you'll put into action this week that you'll benefit from for years to come. Share it resonated with you in the show notes at ontheschmooze.com. Look for episode 146. That's also where you'll find all the links and resources from today's show. At the beginning of this episode, I was sharing the steps to setting up a Facebook Live interview. Follow me on Facebook so you get notified when I'm hosting one. Go to my personal profile at facebook.com forward slash Robbie Samuels and click follow. If you enjoyed this episode with Ryan, please share it with your friends and don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss next week's show. Remember, subscribing is always free. Are you a fan? That's awesome. I'd love to review review on Apple Podcasts. It's easy to find our page at itunes.ontheschmooze.com. Thank you in advance. I look forward to connecting again next week while interviewing another talent professional with their untold stories of leadership and networking. We'll explore their career challenges, work-life balance, and how they built a strong professional network on their way to becoming successful leaders. Until then, have an amazing week. Thanks for listening to On the Schmooze podcast at www.ontheschmooze.com. That's On the Schmooze, S-C-H-M-O-O-Z-E.
This podcast is heard along the Marketing Podcast Network. For more great marketing podcasts, visit marketingpodcasts.net.